welcome to Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And we are joined tonight by Tim. Me, Tim. Sorry, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you're going to introduce yeah, me. I don't I know how we, just, we're, we're like really bad at I guess. Feel like you're, yeah, I feel like you're on the show so much now. You're like achieving like like on, you know, on those TV shows where it's like special guest appearance, but you actually have a slide or a picture yeah. that we can put at the beginning of the credits to like plug you in there. It's like uh, the, uh, the Saturday Night Live. You have to get like a you have to yes, go to the five timers yes, like, club. Yeah. Yeah. But you're also no, it, you know, it's like Saturday Night Live. Remember when they have people on who weren't on like every week like yeah, when they're yeah. introducing cast and they get yeah. like all bumped to the end of it. But <laughs> uh, so today we're continuing uh, sequel September and we're discussing Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. And I just want to have a caveat up front here. I know you've all been waiting all week. When is the Caddyshack 2 Commagers episode going to drop? And you, oh, you might be a little bit disappointed now. Don't worry. Katie just wasn't able to join us, and there was no way we could do Caddyshack 2 without Katie. No. Just, we, we couldn't I, do it. I think what we're, yeah, I think we realize that it's probably going to be her favorite film. Of um, all time. So we need to, yeah. Yeah, she has to be here. And quite honestly, it made my life significantly better this week, not having to watch Caddyshack 2 and instead being <laughs> able to watch Temple of Doom. Uh, but before that, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What does everybody have to drink? Is it the blood of a demon god that is going to take over the world? Jim? No, but I went with the most macabre whiskey I have, which is Ooh. the uh, New Liberties. Fortunato's fate, which is, you know, Fortunato is the guy in um, Edgar Allan Poe who gets yes. sealed up behind the wall with some sherry casks. And this mm. is uh, rye that is finished in Spanish sherry casks. And a beautiful Concha Hawk and Brewing Company glass. Oh, yeah, yeah. What you have That's there? what it is. Yeah. Fabulous. Nice proper snifter. Yeah, yeah it looks right. wonderful. Tim, what do you got? Uh, I'm, I'm crafting myself this cocktail on the show before. Uh, it's Blue Coat Gin. Uh, club soda, lime juice, little simple syrup, and then the kicker is the rim jab is a little cumin and celery salt. Oh, you yeah, sprinkle a little bit of that in there, and it's quite del delightful. This is what happens when a pro is on the show, as opposed to Katie's concoctions, Ugh. which are last week. She just had this flat out milk. Yes. Oh, it was Bishop's blood from Aliens, and. It, it, and and the, the issue, can we just add, is it gets quite warm in the Commagers Philly recording studio. So I cannot. It reminds me of the time back in the day in the days of Late Night with Brian Costello when we did bobbing for apples and eggnog and the eggnog was sitting under the TV lights for yeah, about I don't 90 want to talk minutes. About it. Now, mm -hmm. Jim neither Jim or I were involved in the actual bombing for apples in it. So that was fine. It was grosser involved, to watch. I think maybe. Yeah, it was pretty foul. Uh, I am drinking jacked up uh, new England double IPA from Hobbs brewing company, which is fantastic. It's an amazing beer. Great can. It looks like they have Herbie, the love bug. Awesome. Oh, can cool. on there. And it's really fabulous. Hobbs brewing company. I, I hope is one of those ones. It's in West Ossipee in New Hampshire. So, I mean, not easy to get to, but I'm hoping they start to get more distribution because their stuff is fabulous. That was uh, a, I, I kind of had a complaint with not a complaint. I just flat out don't like how uh, victory that's out here in Downingtown. They like a few years back changed all of their logos to be a little more uniform. Mm. And I think it like took away from their uniqueness, their funkiness. Like, 
Yeah, like th- those labels were so damn cool. Like it was kind of part of the fun of they, drinking they, a victory they beer. They formed. They became. It's funny because Trogues kind of did the same thing, but they also made them more funky, which is weird. Like they went, they went completely funky, didn't they? they Jim? Yeah, like, but they're also yeah. uni- they're also similar enough that like yeah, they left room to to have like interesting artwork. Yeah, beer well, marketing is on point recently. By the way, the past like five years, beer can design and and logos has just been amazing <laughs> yeah it's it's it is an art it's actually become a kind of a cool art form to it all right we don't have katie jim give us a rundown what happens in indiana jones and the temple of doom yeah through a through a, a botched exchange indiana jones his uh partner short round and willie Special lady friend. Special lady friend, Willie, a jazz singer, cabaret style singer, Willie, uh, end up crash crashing a plane in India uh, where they are have to deal with a, with a cult, with a religious cult trying to take over the world. Um, and, of course, Indiana Jones needs to save the day, but he also has dollar signs in his eyes, as usual. Per usual. Um, Yes, very uh, fabulous rundown there, Jim. All right, so here's our question. Grade of the week on the scale from A-plus to Chris Monero's The Rookie, soon to be overtaken by Caddyshack 2. Where would you grade this film, Tim? I'll go go B-minus. Like, the the first scene of this movie, uh, when, when they're in China, to the point, where they end up in the town in India is, is absurd. <laughs> it's like, it's just batshit crazy. Go ahead, Jim. I see you want to say something. No, I, I'll hold it. Cause I think we can talk about that for, for a while and let's get through the grades and then we'll do it. Yeah. But like, I don't know. There's, there's once they get to India and it's like this story about this awful evil cult. Um, I'm into it. It's much darker. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's much, uh, grosser <laughs> you know holding a beating heart in your hand is pretty uh vivid but at the end of the day like it's it's still just fun spielberg the classic scene on the rope bridge at the end is still fun to me um and i think this movie holds up i think there's a little bit of nostalgia creeping into my brain and my b minus maybe i should be going a lower score here because this is the movie i was most familiar with as a kid and now in a, as an adult, like I've realized how amazing uh, Raiders is. And even Last Crusade is is pretty damn awesome. This, this is Indiana definitely Jones movie is Last Crusade. Yeah, exactly. But like of the, these three movies, this is the weakest link. I still have fun watching it, though. Jim, uh, I'm going with a B. OK, um, I expect it to kind of not slog through this, but. I haven't watched this in forever because let's be honest, if you're going to put on an Indiana Jones film, it's not going to be this one, but Oh, crystal skull. Of course. Yeah. It to this was so much better than I thought it was. than I remembered it being so much better. Um, yeah. So I'm going with the B. I'm torn on this one. I, uh, I think I'm going to come in. At a B plus. Wow. Borderline B, but I'll go a little different so we can just kind of advertise. We're across the B spectrum. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will say this. I would put this as a teacher 
like on the lowest B plus possible. You know yeah. how like what what's that like? It like it's when a student comes to me and says, "Listen, I have an eighty-seven point four. Can't you just bump it up to an eighty-seven point five? Because then the computer automatically gives me the B plus." That's where I kind of am yeah. on Temple of Doom. So I'll go with I'll go with B plus. I am the I feel like at times I am the easiest grader on the program as well. So that's a B fine. Pl- a B plus is, you know, maybe slightly below average to average for me. So and I think that's kind of what I find in my mind. This is kind of what Temple of Doom is. I feel it's like a better than average film elevated by the fact that it is Indiana Jones. Yeah, I so, and I, I guess we can jump right into it because yeah, I go. let's talk about the opening because I think I remember the plane sequence and and the and the jumping out of it on a raft being to be the most absurd thing that it, that had been in an Indiana Jones movie until you get inside the a monkey fridge. swing and uh, the, the fridge monkey swinging is pretty bad too. Yeah, but there's basically a monkey swinging piece in this movie too, true. and we can get to I that. Did. That is true. Um, but I think the opening like musical number and fight sequence is pretty incredible Mm. for like the, it's clearly like Spielberg, like wanting to get into like this, like old Hollywood, like big production situation. And and I think it was pretty masterful until they escaped the club where they, they have an absurd thing where they bounce down off the awnings, which is also like just a stupid slapstick, almost like you would expect in like, I don't know, a Charlie Chaplin or like type movie or something like that, or, or some, some stupid comedy, but well, which is exactly what it was intended as. Yeah. So but I, mean, I it, love it was what it was intended for, but I love the fight sequence when they are, when she is looking for, so what happens is that <laughs> Indiana jo- Jones drinks poison. The guy has an uh, a diamond and the antidote. Uh, Willie is chasing the diamond all over the place. Indiana Jones is chasing the antidote. It's all over the floor. There's ice. There's people, you know, dancers. It's it's crazy. Uh, but there's also like this brutalness and sloppiness to the fight that's slapstick ish. Um, but when he throws that skewer into that guy, pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa. Like I forgot that it was that that like brutal. Um yeah, I I love that part and and yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, I, I the absurdity for me is is more how they escape the plane situation and that's it's not unforgivable, but it's like it's just dumb. That, and even as a kid I, was, I knew it was dumb. Th- that's what I was referring to. Like but also the, the just the tone of the opening scene was so off from Raiders. Um, it, it kind of oh, like right. Raider, yeah. Raiders had like more of a, that opening is, is hard to beat. Yeah. And like, well, yeah. The, and it, this agreed. opening almost makes it feel like a joke. Like, yes. am I about to walk into a Looney Tunes but live action? What, what's intriguing to me is like this movie, I think more so than any of them on this rewatch, looking at it, like I was drawn to each of the other movies in the series, which is really intriguing. Like, I think the really good pieces of Temple Doom is like there's great Indiana. There's like Raiders and Last Crusade in this movie. But then there's a healthy dose of the same issues from Crystal Skull. You know, Mm -hmm. and in particular, 
nothing to me. Like I still vividly remember in Crystal Skull, and maybe that's why I don't find the beginning of this quite as bad. That scene when Indiana Jones and they have him and the Russians have him, and like the acting is so hammy and everything. I'm like, is this a joke? Like I remember sitting in the theater thinking, is this a joke? This can't be real. The I thought they were horrible. going to like pull back and he was in a movie right. or something. That's exactly what I thought. When I was that watching scene. Crystal Skull. So it, it it kind of intrigues me. I, I thought of Keenan I was as I was watching this because it I, it's almost like he, when he always talks about James Bond, right? Like the ov- even versus odd Daniel Craig James Bonds. And like, are, is that what we have here? Like the odd Indiana Jones are just much better products. Well, there's only the four. So, I mean, well, I know. But so the two good ones are the odd, but no, because I, I don't know this. This is so much better than Crystal Skull. Agreed. I'm just saying, like, there's elements of and I Crystal think Skull in this. Like, nostalgia I could see is getting the better of you two with Last Crusade because I think Last Crusade is only a smidge better than this. Oh no, it's not. It is. It's not. Last Crusade is significantly better than this movie. In what way? Like, I, I, I think the storytelling is more even. I think that the villains are significantly better. I actually have an an issue when I was watching this, what immediately came to my mind and it was eons ago mm-hmm. is episode two in Commager's history, <laughs> Jurassic Park. Yeah. And some of your issues that you had with Jurassic Park, I see in Spielberg in this movie. Remember yeah. one of the things we talked about is some, there, there's a failure in some of the characters in this movie. And we talked about it at the time how much of that was tied to the fact that he kind of left this movie to go do um, Schindler's List. You're not you this know? movie. He left but Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Yeah. And like when I'm watching this, the, the making of Temple of Doom, that's part of the 4K release, like the special edition that comes out, you hear Spielberg talking about this movie and he's very detached. I was actually shocked at how honest he was. You know, he has a quote and he's basically like, yeah, Temple Doom's my least favorite Indiana Jones movie. And this is like pre-Crystal Skull when they made this, but yeah. still. And he's like, he, he's like, yeah, I don't feel like I got much out of this. I got a wife out of it. And that's what I remember it for. And I feel like there's elements of this where you feel that he is detached, that he doesn't quite know it like goes too dark and it's not fitting into his sensibility as a filmmaker at this point in his career. And like, that's where it at times falls a little bit short for me. Like, I feel like there's an imbalance of the slapstick versus the really dark horrorish stuff. Yeah. And there's great patches, but then there's a lot of patches that are really rough. Yeah. Um, and that's me still giving it a B plus because here's the reality. I would watch this movie again next week. I'd have no problem watching this movie again next week because it's Indiana Jones. I oh. thought the performances were great pretty much across the board. Um, so that was that was one of my like things I wanted to especially pay attention to going into this watch because I told some friends I was like, hey, I'm watching Temple of Doom because I'm going to be on a, another friend's podcast. And they're like, oh, yeah, I really didn't like that one because the uh, you know, the, the female lead character in it was so whiny. Yeah. And then watching it again, like, yes, she has the like kind of tropey damsel in distress moments. But she's not as whiny as I think most people make her out to be. No, and I think it's played in the way that it's played. It's done in a way that's sort of playing around with that idea. And and 
Indiana Jones is played as a total dick in like calling her doll and, and yep. sweetheart and, and not in, and it's not highlighted as like, that's how a man should be. Right. And as far as I'm just, the way that I viewed it is that Spielberg was sort of playing with the idea that like these tropes are kind of stupid <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I actually thought I, I agree. I think this is what I'll say about this movie, even with the flaws. I think everybody was on point for what, was wanted like i i do feel like they hit the vision of what they were going for. well there's only really four people in this movie i know but do you know what i mean like but <laughs> right, no, but like, i'm saying like all the characterizations all the yeah i i think it was what they wanted it to be i think that it just gets jumbled at points yeah. and and part of this could come from like some examples like the set pieces a lot of the set pieces in this movie were left over and cut from raiders of the lost ark and they, you know, and in the construction of this story was then like, oh, we have these set pieces left. Like the mind chase was originally in Raiders of the Lost Ark. All these um, the uh, river situ- uh, raft, you know, where they go into the water was originally in Ra- how they were in Raiders. I have no idea. Yeah. But like Spielberg's like, I, oh, I have these like things I want to do. George Lucas had an idea. I want to open with a musical number from like a 1930. So they had that stuff and then they kind of constructed the rest of the movie around there. And yeah. that sometimes is dangerous. Now, as somebody who loves Mission Impossible movies like that can work sometimes because that's how they make Mission Impossible movies. But it also can feel like a little bit like you're going from one set piece to the other and what's in between. I don't feel that way with Raiders. I feel like Raiders was so on point that you never like even when there's all these amazing set pieces, like you don't feel like it was written to get to that set piece. Mm -hmm. I didn't ever feel like it was written to get to a set piece. In this, I see, you I know that did. though. So, like, it's, it's I, I, but I didn't know. Like, honestly, I didn't know this piece. I watched the. I had never known this until I watched the making of after I watched it this time. But something like, like the plane raft sequence. Like, does that have to be there? No, so, no, no. But that's the dumbest part of the movie. <laughs> but agreed. But I'm saying, like, but I don't so see that as like a set. I guess that's a set piece. But I'm thinking more of like the temple, and the temples and the mine. So think not the mine chase, but the actual mine where the kids are working mm-hmm. that sequence which basically takes the place of the plane in raiders of the lost ark mm-hmm. like it's yes. basically the same fight sequence yes um and it wasn't even harrison ford by the way yeah he he, he had he took uh had his hernia and he, his <laughs> vic armstrong who's like one of the great all-time stunt people did the whole sequence and then when he came back spielberg just shot the close-ups which i think is kind of fascinating that they just yeah. kept filming yeah it's um it's, I thought those set pieces were great. Like, I, like as far as like how it all played out and like, there's a lot going on here with short round that I don't think, like, I always thought he was a funny character when I was growing up and, in, but I think I found it way more interesting this time around. Yes. So yeah, back to performances, you know, uh, what's her name isn't really the damsel in distress whiny person that she's made out to be short round is not just comic relief. Like, yes, he has funny moments, but like you legitimately feel the like friendship between yeah. him and Indy. I totally bought into them. Uh, and I'm sorry, but to like talk about what, you know, we keep referencing like the raft scene being the worst scene in this movie and the, the dinner sequence oh, is God. pretty ridiculous too. Yeah. 
I can't, I can't watch those scenes. I'm sorry. So, you know, you get your credits at the beginning and it's, it's right there. You know, George Lucas is a producer and he helped write this movie. And those scenes scream George Lucas to me for some reason. I mean, even from the moment the raft like yes. hits the snowbank and it's just like careening down the mountain and the, the background is so bad looking like it just it had a, a, a real pod racer. Yes. Vibe to me. Well, the, I feel like the explosion effects. of the plane hitting the mountain was like directly lifted from a Star Wars explosion. There is something that looked exactly the same. Yeah. And I think there's like 600 Wilhelm screams in this movie. Mm. Oh, my God. There, there's actually a whole thing that Spielberg talks about teaching Cape Capshaw how to scream. They're like, <laughs> they had me scream all the time. Like, it was in, it was insane. Short round. You know what was really interesting this time about him? And I, I agree with both of you. He was so much more than the comic relief. It was a fascinating character. Yeah. And it, and it, made me wish like how is he not in crystal skull i dude i, the, I as I, soon I, as I this movie ended about that at the time my like, my thought process was why is there not a movie dealing with like 30 year old short round why is he not like that in crystal skull why I is just, he not I in any of the it. other movies if they're best friends like what's what it called happens yeah what happens to him how many years after this is Raiders only five? A year. No, I don't even. I think it's like a year later, Jim. Right. So, so we are glossing over the fact that Temple of Doom, according to like the opening scene, takes place before yeah, the Raiders. Of Raiders of, yes. Right. So, like, I, I don't know. He just. <laughs> but I, no, I hear you. He Brian. just puts short round out on his own. I guess. Well, no, I, right. I don't know, but I think it's like a fascinating question, it, yeah. and I don't want to delve too much into Crystal Skull because maybe someday we could do a Crystal Skull episode. But I kind of get why he might not have been in Last Crusade because of the dynamic of that story. Yeah. But right. that, like, my God, that friendship to revisit that so many years later feels so much more organic yeah. or interesting than if they do that. And part of this, I think, ties into the decision to make it a prequel as opposed to a sequel, because there was a real desire to have by, on Spielberg's end to have Karen Allen back. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, would have obviously changed the dynamic of the film significantly. But it also put them in a situation where they had to basically make it a prequel, um, even though this is one of the least prequely movies you'll ever see like i mean you if they didn't put the dates at the beginning you'd never know you would never know i and that and that's why i thought it was weird like what what was the the conversation in like the board meeting about like hey let's make it a year before raiders why i, wa I wonder played if it into was, nothing i wonder if it was the karen allen piece mm. right like you've invested everything you've watched raiders right and Raiders is beloved. You know, people forget sometimes this is pre VHS, you know, so they would keep movies in theaters for like months, mm -hmm. like Raiders. I think we it talked was over about a that, year. Jim. Yeah. yeah. And so people were so invested in that movie. If you say, hey, it's a prequel, that's why Marion's not there. Right. That Good point to it. And I also think that's where a lot of the backlash came at Kate Capshaw's character. Yep. Because Marion is such an example in 1980s film of a strong, independent, you know, amazing character. In fact, comparing like last week to when we talked about aliens, 
other than Ripley, right? Who might be that second great female character from an 80s movie that you would pick as like a, a powerful, dynamic woman lead? I think Leia, and, Leia and yeah, Mary. Leia and yeah. So she's right there. So you come in with Kate Capshaw and you're right. Like she's screaming and stuff like that. Performance. Brilliant, by the way. I think I've underappreciated her performance in, in, until this Sarah performance. Sarah Connor is mm. another good one. Um, but I, here's the question about Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor in Terminator T2. or T2 yeah, and T2 is 90. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, like th- I think this was a challenge coming with this and yeah. maybe making it a prequel they thought would eliminate some of those issues. I don't know. Yeah. And, and it is, you know, we should talk very, about that dinner scene though. I, Tim, yes, you brought it up because, because it is I think offensive. It, it's offensive to Indian <laughs> people for a number of reasons. They totally would not be eating that. Um, I think everything is, as far as I read, I don't know that any of that is legit. No, um, they came up with, they were saying like, yeah. oh, this is going to be hysterical. What's the most disgusting thing you could ever eat? But you're right. It, culturally, it's like, this yeah, is totally not insensitive. India. Because this isn't even the point where in the movie where you know that there's like a bad religious cult. Um, and so it would be okay if he, if they like, and I think for the rest of the movie, they do a pretty good job of separating regular Indian people from the bad cult that they're dealing with. Right. Like, uh, I think if you are, but as a younger person, I feel Mm -hmm. like this was like super harmful for the way that I viewed any food that was not made in America. (laughs) Who would want to go to, oh, uh, uh, young Jim, would you like to go get Indian food? Fuck no, I'm not eating the brains of a monkey. Yeah, eyeball soup. Yeah. Snake surprise. Uh, I also realized something watching this movie that I pretty much have it memorized um, and I could call out lines like before they happened and I haven't seen this movie in maybe... 20 years well tim hit on this i think right this is the one you saw most and this yeah, goes back to what we've been talking about that around our age the ones these films the ones that we were always inundated with on prism or hbo because i didn't have prism it didn't exist up here i did just just because we had to watch the, the flyers <laughs> but yeah but they're always the sequels right yeah so it's like beverly hills cop 2 die hard 2 Aliens, uh, aliens, dude. Die Hard movie. Two. That's such a good example. I knew it's that movie on. to a T before I, still, I saw Die Hard. Of course 1. you did, and you <laughs> always had that vision of him exploding up in that like uh, airplane seat because yep. you probably saw it a thousand times because they wouldn't air the good one. No. You got the second one. Yeah. Yeah, um, but but that dinner sequence, like, yeah, uh, that that sticks out in my brain as part of the the kid nostalgia in me. Yeah, and yes, I legitimately thought that was funny as a kid, and like now I'm looking at that, and it's like, it's just this like, you know, Jedi mind trick of like, look over here at all these ridiculous things, but the conversation that's happening at the table oh, it's so important. Yes, <laughs> and and you can't pay attention to it as a kid. That's another thing that I realized that I didn't know half the shit that was happening in this movie as a kid. But I listened this time. It makes so much more sense. There's so much exposition there that you don't get. It's so weird to me because like this movie, again, I feel like it's I don't want to say overindulgent, but I feel like. Oh, it is. It is. I think that's okay. 
<laughs> they got into a room, though. It's I, apparently the story is this, right? Like the famous story about Raiders is that Spielberg and Lucas are on a beach. And we talked about this eons ago when we did Raiders. They're like on a beach and Spielberg is pitched this movie by George Lucas. But what I never understood is like George Lucas also said to him, like, if I let you direct this, I want to make three of these. And Spielberg's like, yeah, okay, George, fine, whatever. Like, I want to do this. And he's like, don't worry. I have all three stories in my mind, a.k.a. the prequels. So he obviously didn't know this. But so then they get to the second one, like, and Spielberg's like, all right, Raiders is a huge hit. Like Jim said, it's been in the theater for a year. Spielberg's all right. uh, Like, give me the story. And he didn't have a story. So it was like, then it's just like, okay, well, what do you want? Well, I want a dance number. What do you want? Like the juvenile things people want. Spielberg's like, I yeah. want the, I want the worst meal of anybody's life. We'll throw in three set pieces from Raiders. Uh, George Lucas is interested in uh, India. So they went and found two writers that George Lucas knew who traveled around India. And that was why they were hired. Not because they were great writers, but they had uh, been to India. And I'm sorry. Like, does, this is the movie. Hold your thought. But like, I totally felt that in this movie that it was like they just like had a wet dream about going to India for a vacation. And they were like, we need to make a story about India. I like imagine them sitting there listening to a lot of post Beatles, George Harrison yep. music and yeah. being like, oh, we got to make uh, we got to make this movie in India, which, by the way, I'm I'm completely down with because yeah. I think it's a country we don't see a lot. Like, I love the setting. I mm-hmm. love the cult. I like there's so much of it. That's awesome. But there's also I think it's the difficulty of playing off Raiders, which was I I just I think was so brilliant in the the construction, the writing, everything about it. And even, you know, I know, Jim, you don't think there's much of a difference between Last Crusade and this. But I I think that the themes and ideas in Last Crusade were more ironed out. Like, I just feel like it's. It's just yeah, a yeah. better no, movie you're right. in terms it of is, that. It is. Um, it's also, like we you talked about earlier, the Nazis don't... You don't need a lot to make them the bad guys. And in <laughs> the, this... I, best. Listen, I always say, there's no better villains than Nazis. Right. They are the worst. And... You know, this religious cult, you kind of do have to have that exposition because, and this is the trap that you could fall into with this movie. And I think as a kid, it was hard for me to really understand, like, what was happening in this movie. Like, what were they, like, and there are subtle levels here where it's like, yeah, of course, enslaving children to do work in a mine is terrible. And so, like, yes, they're bad guys. But also, there's this whole other subtext of, like, this guy trying to take over the like he literally says at one point like Kali will rule the world mm-hmm. once we have the five stones and they don't even talk about like the five stone like the fact that they have three of the five the other two are just like oh we'll find them eventually that's not what this movie's about yeah. sir yeah <laughs> like, it's so weird here yeah. this is an all-time MacGuffin right yeah, it's yeah. like we're not even going to invest in finding the rest of the MacGuffin yeah. we're just going to be content with the three and, and, and he's just way, like just, I'm going to save the kids and and yeah. that's sort of what happens yeah quick question where were the other two going to go because there was the eyes and the, you know like it didn't look like mm-hmm. there were a spot for the other two earrings, gonna, earrings. was it were they going to testicles yeah, testicles yeah. some balls 
Not, um, not to be confused with Nicki Minaj's also, you know, cousin's friend's testicles. I don't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go too far into like the the nitty gritty of like what happens in this movie oh, as far yeah, as like fantastic. the magic and stuff. But I don't think I ever realized until this watching that Indiana Jones does Indian magic at the end of this movie. When oh when he when he starts chanting. That yes. he that that like you you mm -hmm. you defied you Shiva. Shiva you betrayed Shiva he starts chanting and that's what lights up the stones and makes them burn through the bag yeah mm -hmm. couldn't possibly tell you what that was about and that, and that's like, part of my issue like I felt was like but it makes it does make sense like he was sense, he was aware I, of what was happening and he knew agreed, Sanskrit but do you here's my question ultimately about this movie and I think there's there's this is part of my problem between the first and the third in this one. Like, I, I don't feel I have as firm an understanding of the stones as I did of the arc yeah. and the obviously the, you know, my problem with last crusade. Steven Spielberg is my problem with this movie. OK, so what? So okay, no, we'll get let's get to that. Because I think there's I, a good story here if they just dig in a little more. You see. Yeah. And I but here's the thing that I wonder with this is whenever you involve George Lucas in something <laughs> and I, and I mean that honestly, I, I, I feel like they were allowed to do whatever they wanted with this movie. Yeah. Right. It was, they had carte blanche and George Lucas to me is not a good filmmaker when he has complete unfettered freedom. Yep. I, I feel like there's that there's real issues when he gets this and again solely based on my interpretation of listening to Spielberg talk about this movie in the making of also in his discussion of this film in Spielberg his own documentary which is fabulous about him I don't feel like he was invested as invested in this film as others yeah, and I think that's really problematic and I, I actually think that's what made Last Crusade better because I think Spielberg was way more invested and interested in Last Crusade. I think they brought in Jeff Baum, who who is a great screenwriter, and the screenplay is better. And Lucas doesn't have any screenplay credit on that film. He just has story credit. Mm. And and I think you get a better film. Yeah. As a result of that. Yep. Um yeah. like the but the 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 opening sequence in China, it just like it feels like a little far-fetched as to like, why did they start it here? Like, why is this American woman performing in China, whatever. And then like, they get you to India. And like I said, I stand firm that like, once we get to India, I'm in. And the, just the one scene withstanding is that dinner sequence. Everything else though, like very much felt like Indiana Jones to me. It felt like Raiders. Like the closest scene to Raiders would probably be the very beginning when he's like in the jungle and he's stealing the the whatever that thing is that the idol. Know, yeah, the idol yeah. that provokes all the uh booby traps to happen. Anyway, like th there's plenty of there's just so much fun and uh unknown in this Indian jungle and then you get to the palace and it's this like gorgeous place like i i just i think it moves at a proper pace and does the things that like a proper St spielberg movie does mm -hmm. once once we're in india it just that dinner scene was standing is just kind of ridiculous and, and oh. yeah to, to like also to jim's point and i think brian you're kind of touching on this too is that like 
there, there's much more to be mined there about these five total stones. And they never really well, here's bring a, a resolution question. to it. It's almost like, why have there be five stones? Mm-hmm. Right. We could be at the well, that's probably of, like a real thing. Uh, agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so maybe, something. But, but nobody. Know, but here's the thing. Does it not build more tension that this is the apex of this issue? Like they've now got the three stones and this is maybe when the crescendo of this, he's going to be able to build this whole cult. So so stealing these stones is such a big issue that we can have it. But again, with sometimes with these movies, the MacGuffins are of a lesser concern for me. And I, I just yeah. feel like in the, with the arc and, um, and then last crusade, I feel like the MacGuffins are a central focus of what's happening here. I feel like the stones in this case are just kind of things that are there. And okay, because I don't care about the stones. I care about him freeing the kids. Yeah. yeah. I care about him getting out. I care about all of that stuff. I care very little about the stones because I'm not sure I know what the stones are. Do you know what they reminded me of? Those I can't even Tim and Jim. I'm not even going to remember what they're called. Candy corn. No, no, no. Those fucking things from Zack Snyder's uh, oh, the mother boxes, mother boxes. <laughs> they are the mother boxes of the 1980s. I was going to say, I was going to say they, what they, they are. Keenan Speak- is probably so excited right now. Somebody <laughs> is talking about Zack Snyder's thing. They do look, look like potatoes. I was thinking back to Jurassic Park, like the mosquitoes that are yeah, stuck yeah. in amber. Yes, they actually look like another amber. Good one, too. I, I mean, I. I don't think this is the best sequel, obviously, or, or prequel, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I was shocked how much more I enjoyed it than I thought I was going to. I was, sh- you know, what I was shocked at, and I will say this: the the technical elements of this movie are fantastic. Yeah, I was amazed. <laughs> I have to say this: I was lucky enough to get the 4K box set for Father's Day. The tech. The way even the opening sequence, the way it is shot, like the dance number and stuff, old Hollywood, brilliant. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the the cuts. I was I was amazed at like the, the staging of the fights. But no, I was just I said, this is a significantly better made like film than I even knew. So for that aspect of what Steven Spielberg did, I'm I am actually, in fact, pretty impressed yeah. because there's a lot more going on there than I ever would have remembered in terms of the quality of this film agreed um question that has never come to me ever watching an indiana jones movie that i need answered does indiana jones only wear glasses to look smart yeah of course because can we discuss that the only time you ever see the man wearing glasses by and large is when he is wearing a tuxedo or some kind of dress outfit. Or and I've never teaching, noticed right? it. Yeah, I've never. Or he's te- excellent, Jim. I've never noticed that before. In this movie, he is not wearing glasses when he is reading anything. He's not reading glasses when he's looking off into the distance. <laughs> he is solely wearing his glasses in scenes in which. He actually one time in Last Crusade, he puts it on when he's washing the temple and stuff. I I don't think Indiana Jones had bad eyesight. I think he was setting one of those trends that um, hipsters like to do where they wear fake glasses. Tim, your thoughts on that point? 
I don't know. Like he's dashing through jungles and freeing children. I feel like, you know, eh, maybe he just like put the glasses in his pocket because it's like most of the things he's doing don't require glasses. Like, like what, what actions not act. Yeah. Can he see? Can the man see as a man who wears glasses? I want to know. Yeah. Is this discriminatory against they did not want Indiana Jones to wear glasses throughout the movie because they do not like your point is made, Brian. He's we already know that he's a shallow vein asshole. So, okay, fine. Which brings me to my next question here. One of the things one of the biggest complaints about sequels is always this, right? Does does the film, the sequel, advance the character? No. This is a really, but but here's a really interesting question I have because this is different. It's a prequel, theoretically, even though we're calling it a sequel. Do you feel that they did anything in this movie that informs the character that we see in Raiders? Is there anything that happened in this movie? Were yeah, kind of actually. The level? Because I thought there was a moment where I felt that was true. And I'm just curious if anybody else thought that 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 the actions, because theoretically we're a year before Raiders. Do you think that the experience in Temple of Doom affected the character that we see in Raiders? I don't know, because the, uh, it's kind of weird. I always thought that the arc of Indiana Jones was more of a like. With closing with um, Last Crusade was more about his ability to to like let go of of the chase mm-hmm. and he kind of does that in this movie I like or, or, or like he doesn't chase the money in this movie um it's more about saving the a, kid he does for he a does go back and save it. the kids <laughs> right eventually so, so once he gets down there and he he's stealing the stones there's no one around yeah. And then he hears the screams of the kids. Yeah. And I feel like that'd be my only. By the way, that reveal of him standing down there in the tunnel is pretty amazing. See, a shot. They, they shot that very well. Yeah. Um, well, the, the thing I'm kind of curious is and it's 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 buried, actually, the, to go back to your guys point about the dinner sequence, because I don't think I ever caught this line because you're so grossed out by everything in the dinner sequence. But when they're talking about like, oh, you've been banned in this yeah, country, yeah, your heads. I never thought about it, but I'm like, he sounds even more despicable yeah. than what we see. That was interesting to me. And I would love to know if that was written as a way to start to show it, because at the end sequence, when he chooses to let the stones go away and he gets the kids back and he gives the stones back to them, are we supposed to think that the indie that we see at the beginning of Raiders is less inclined to be a Raider of these artifacts? Like that's informed him a little bit. Ra- a Raiders little bit. of yeah, but then wives. we start. Then we start Last Crusade with him trying to get the Coronado's cross again. But back from the guy who he deems as I guess. I, but and then and but I was just trying to think like this that Balak discussion in Raiders where he's like I'm a shadowy dark version of you right Do you or, know what I mean? or like, Marion saying that he yes. was an awful person like is that a trans <laughs> like do we have a transition yeah. I, I I am always fascinated I don't think it happens that. in any of the movies we see I think that's no, part no. of the thing is that like he just shows up to the next one maybe slightly different. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, don't know. I, fi- I do find it's one of those characters, though, that I 
you do wish you could see more. Like I, I do almost wish they were able to do more be, as a serialized version. Cause I think there is a lot of depth or adventures or things they could yeah. go with, with him in terms of where they go there. Um, I thought that the death cult was very fitting in 2021. Yeah. I, by the way, your own parallels there. Short round talking about everybody. Short round had some. Think about who I'm talking about. Dynamite one liners. uh, Oh my God. He's, he's amazing. It's the the black sleeve. It's the black sleeve of Kali. Do you you like him more in this movie? Or or Goonies? Yeah. This, which this. You're, you're a bigger and, fan of him in this. And he's amazing in Goonies, but this is on another level. I love the scene where he burns Indy to snap him out of his oh. his black sleep of Kali moment. And he okay, Indy holds him over the fire and says, I'm okay, kid. You ready? And he, he turns around the and gives... like asshole. <laughs> yeah, and they turn around and start kicking ass like, like in Lord of the Rings when they walk into Theoden's palace. And... <laughs> and, and, and Short round does two quick nut shots to the first two guys he sees. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Amazing. But he was talking about how much he loved Jackie Chan movies, uh-huh. I guess, which was fabulous. And he wasn't even, I guess they auditioned a lot of kids for this. He didn't even go to the audition. He was there with his brother. Yeah, I heard this. Feeding his brother lines and Kathleen Kennedy. And uh, it was there and was like, this kid. And Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, by the way, rarely gives interviews and is like pretty he like he can be a little standoffish, you know, his whole mm-hmm. thing. Like, I didn't want to be Han Solo. I don't like India. Like he does this whole spiel like, oh, I love Temple Doom. And, you know, I love Temple Doom because it wasn't what people expected. You know, like I that kind of annoys me sometimes. Like, dude, you are rich and famous because you're Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Like, right. I understand that you enjoyed making this movie because nobody expected this to be like what the other Indiana Jones movie is. But like, clearly, you then why were you Han you... Solo in this movie? Exactly. There's like five why, jokes and, that are directly way, Han Solo. And jokes. Why are you still cashing Indiana Jones checks and making uh, it? Right? I don't care. Like, about you that. know, like, but that's a whole other thing. But he was talking about, they were talking about like, how impressed they were and like harrison ford even was like i loved working with this kid he was he was the poker scene like, like every the oh. poker scene that was actually the scene they did uh, there's a sequence on the um making of that was the rehearsal scene is the and poker you scene. cheat very big <laughs> And and just the the way <laughs> Willie's running around discovering all of the, the evils animals. of the jungle, but then to have it end with an actual like giant snake <laughs> crawling around her neck, like just just great. Um, but yeah, to to what you're saying, Brian, like uh, Kathleen Kennedy, by the way, like what a career. Yeah, like so. Well, was she like know, was she in like lockstep with Spielberg yes, this entire time? Well, and and Frank Marshall. He like, discovered her right as yeah, like a production yeah, assistant or something. It was her and Frank Marshall, and they kind of like build up. And obviously, they've gone. You know, those are names unless you're really into films. You don't. But they're doing everything. So like and you know, he has that core group, Tim. That really, I mean, you give Spielberg as a director credit, but those two are producing and casting and and basically wrapping a gift for him. And then obviously Spielberg, quite honestly, I think is underrated maybe at times. Like people love him, but people 
don't understand how talented he is maybe at times. So like I, I bring up Kathleen Kennedy though, cause like, you know, plug my own podcast, pop battle. The most recent time we talked about her was rise of Skywalker episode nine. And she's essentially supposed to be what like Paul Feige is to the Marvel universe is Kathleen Kevin, Kennedy. Kevin to, Feige. Did I say Paul? Yeah. Sorry. Paul Paul's the comedy, comedy yeah, guy. <laughs> he does uh, the, the, he, well, he does great stuff. He did bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. He does. Yes. Uh, he does I think, great uh, stuff. yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Kevin Feige. Yes. So Kathleen Kennedy is like the Kevin Feige essentially to the star Wars universe. So what? like we, we had many complaints about like, you know, why, why didn't she like have this like overall arcing story thought out, blah, blah, blah. And I think a lot of people have like pointed at her and made her a villain in the star Wars universe. And, and it might be warranted. I don't know. You know, <laughs> we don't work in Hollywood, but I feel like it's a little ridiculous especially for someone that has been in Hollywood for as long as she has been. And mm-hmm. it's just, this is another movie where you like, you just watch the credits and you're like, Holy shit. She's been in lockstep with Steven Spielberg all these years, you know? Yeah. Well, all the people that are involved in like the Spielberg verse, mm-hmm. you know, of the films and he creates, which by the way, that's a huge umbrella. I understand is massive, but, it's like the Mike Holmgren coaching tree in football. Well, it is. No, but you know <laughs> And what? now the Bill Belichick coaching tree, but they all right. suck. No, well, they all suck. Actually, probably Andy, Andy Reid one might be better than the Bill Belichick one. But my mm-hmm. point is, uh, I like today I was thinking about this and, and I, I couldn't quite grasp this question, but I'm, I was like wondering, is this film helped or hurt by Raiders? It's her. Like our, do you if know this mean came like, first and Raiders came second, it would be. Well, that's my. This question. would be well, beloved. Do you, I don't know that Raiders. I don't know that Raiders would be as beloved. Book. But that's my question. Like, I'm so torn because I feel like this film is judged, and maybe that's why I gave it a B plus as opposed to a B. Maybe it is a B. But like in my heart, I, I sit here and question. I'm like, every scene I'm looking at, I'm comparing to Raiders. one of my favorite films of all time in <laughs> in Last Crusade. Like literally yeah, yeah. between that and Mission Possible, those are my two favorite movies of all time. And then another one, which I I would argue with anyone, is a perfect film. Uh, one of those like, Tim, you guys have talked about it on your show all the time, like those mm-hmm. perfect films, which is Raiders. Is this film maligned by certain people because what we compare it to? Yeah, although like it's a little chicken before the egg conversation, but like if Raiders doesn't happen, does this movie even get made? Okay, um, okay. which is know, valid, very valid. If if Temple of Doom is the first movie, mm-hmm. does Raiders get made? I right. don't know. Right. Yeah, it's tough. It, it made a, about the same amount of money. I just want to add this. They they were basically equal box office hits. But that didn't they, really and, money didn't really matter as much. Well, back no, then. No, no, but I'm just saying like so financially. Yeah. You know, both were about the same amount of money. And it wasn't the, the years weren't so different that it mattered. That, it, that it mattered that much. I'm, I'm like, once again, kind of like a, what was the documentary movie we covered? 
American movie, American movie where I came in, I think at like a C plus or a B minus. And you guys kind of convinced me that, nah, this is probably at least a B, if not a B plus. Um, like I started, I'm starting at a B minus, but the more we talk about it, like, yeah, you could convince me that this is like a B or a B plus. Cause like the few scenes we've already discussed with standing that are a little out there, um, this movie just, it feels so well done. It's like in good hands. It's yeah. A guy who knows how to make a fucking movie. John Williams' score is incredible. Always. Once again, per, per usual. Right? Yeah, and like, and it just hits. It like it moves at a proper pace. And like, I kind of disagree with Brian with what you're saying, where like the set pieces felt like we were trying to get to them. No, I felt like we got to them kind of naturally. Like it just felt like a the well put together movie. I will okay. say, okay. I, I will say this because I do think the last two set pieces are stunning. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the opening ones were a little bit the last two. The mine. The mine car, car goes on way too long. It goes too long. And but nonetheless, it's still like how that is not a ride at Hollywood Studios. Is in crazy. This, in, is insane. How do you not have the Indiana Jones mine cart? race i mean keenan will be indiana jones isn't really relevant for, anymore for years to get on that ride um yeah. i'm sorry like when i watched that scene i thought they made that scene for a ride you're well, telling they, me it's not a ride yeah. it's not well has anybody been to disney world uh, land yeah excuse me oh, disneyland no. before have you gone on the indiana jones ride i was there when i was like nine i see i've never been there but there is an indiana jones ride but it's not that that was a legit roller coaster. Like they built mm. it as a roller coaster and mm. shot it that way. But to me, the the rope bridge scene, mm. I just want to say this. It some of it makes absolutely no sense to me. Why people are walking out on that bridge with him makes no sense to me. But nonetheless, it's what I think is brilliant filmmaking because I could watch it again yeah. and again and again. And it's brilliant. And I love the homage to Peter Pan with the crocodiles. Because <laughs> Peter Pan was the first movie I ever saw in the theater. That I just want the, they should have had a crocodile right. with a clock in his in his chest. Beating. They kept showing this. I felt like they didn't even shoot multiple shots of the crocodile. I felt like no, they just you know kept they going back to the same one. Do you know what they did? They sent Frank Marshall to Florida. Oh, really? Just, yeah. And they're like, dude, uh, we're going to need you, Frank, because he was really young. They're like, we're going to need you to go to Florida and just film a bunch of crocodiles for us. Oh, those are alligators. Here. I'll push back Whatever. against yeah. my You're myself. True. You're right, Jim. Uh, just raving about how well put together this movie is like it's a well just it's it's in good hands that the there's one glaring fuck up with that scene, though, is that there's like a long shot of the bridge and the guys are coming in yes. on either side of Indiana Jones. And you can tell that this like bridge further. was that I no finish, finish your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think you're going to say what I was going to have makes, some background on this. So go so, ahead. I want to, so that, that shot makes the bridge seem like it's only, I don't know, 15 yards long. Yes. But then there's another shot that makes it seem like it's a hundred yards long. No. Also, also the long shot from the side, it's only like, 20 feet in the air no, but then but then when like they go careening down it seems like it's a hundred foot drop completely agree and the scary like the weird thing about that 
is that bridge was legitimately built mm-hmm. and was higher than it was. So I would agree with that. There's, with I you, think Tim, there's a trick of the camera real, on that was... wide shot because I think what they're, I think they're picking something up in the foreground of the camera to make it look yes. like the land. They but are. It's the, not. Part of the problem was where they set it up. There was like this huge hydro dam that was being built or something. So they had to kind of angle it and it's like film stock stuff. But that bridge was legitimately that high. And part of the issue they had with shooting it is Spielberg refused to go out on the bridge. And the guy who was the steady cam operator was like, there's no fucking way I'm bringing that steady cam out there. But crazy ass Harrison Ford was like Tom Cruise, crazy Tom Cruise on his motorbike and shit. Harrison Ford was like running back and forth on it. But Steven Spielberg's like, I only agreed to go 15 feet out and the steady cam operator was the same way. So we had yeah. to shoot like as a result closer like, the to way, the edge at certain yeah, points. They had yeah. to shoot closer. They also created dummies with moving limbs yeah. so that when they blow it up, those were like actual dummy. It was the first time apparently in a Hollywood movie ever that they used like they figured out a way to create dummies, which they don't need now, obviously, because yeah, it would just use real people. It, well, well, depending on the country, <laughs> depending on the country they're shooting in, they real might dummies. actually they might use real people. Actually, I really, I really cool. wish Harrison Ford, like, uh, you know, he he, d- I don't really read into his interviews that much, but I have always heard that he's kind of like a temperamental, standoffish person. And man, like, I just really wish he wasn't like that because, like, does does he know we as fans love most of his things? Do you know like, what my, yeah, he's fantastic what, in this. He's do, fantastic do, in The Fugitive. He's fantastic do, in Star Wars. Do you know what my take on him is? Is that he is very much what you run into. Like the people who work with him love him. Mm. But there can be like small incidents. He reminds me a lot of every story I've heard of Bill Murray. Like I think he's probably brilliant. But there's there's baggage with that brilliance. But like, people yeah, I mean, like, you, well, I like, think I people Murray, also I thought he was the nicest guy. Like he was so it kind happened. And it happens to, to all me. kinds of celebrities, whether musician or whatever actor. There's a certain part of a certain type of fan that feels like they own part of you or they know you because you were in something. And specifically for actors like you don't know that person at all. No, they're, they're literally, literally acting. being fake yeah. for a job. At least with like a musician, you can feel like they're presenting something of themselves. Because and I think actors can usually. do that and, and access part of themselves to portray a role in, in a better way. But it's a way different situation. I don't know. And I, and I feel like I feel like he's like one of the guys that doesn't have anything to to gain by by being Ryan Reynolds, you know, like by being the guy that's out there. I also think like in my mind, it's like the two people I always think about with Harrison Ford is like, I think Bill Murray. And I also think of we, I I brought this up earlier, like Daniel Craig, like all three of those guys are probably exceedingly talented and could have been amazing, but they're also people who have, who've created these amazing characters that they're always linked to. And there's probably a difficulty of coming to terms with like, that's how you're 
remembered. And, and maybe pl- like, maybe he's like, and I think Harrison Ford now he's started to give a lot more interviews and stuff. Maybe he's come, he's better at coming to terms with the fact that like when he passes away, he's going to be Indiana Jones and Han Solo. And, and not, yeah. not to poo poo James Bond, but Star Wars's fandom is, I would say bigger and also probably more toxic <laughs> Even though well, James Bond it's is probably not. why he lives in a, a ranch and it just wants to be left alone. Sure. In some respect. So I'm, um, I'm, not, I'm not like asking him to do more interviews and give more fan service and be happier. It's like, I don't know. I just like just say I, thank I, you I, for liking what I did. Yes. And I, I, do yeah, feel, or I don't, I don't or, know if he realizes that there's a big portion of the population that fucking loves him. <laughs> I do. But you know what? It's interesting. I think he's gotten better. And the only reason I say that is if I like when he was on Conan, when uh, um, Force Awakens came on, he seemed like he was more willing to make fun of it and mm. all of those types of things. So maybe better. listen, for all our critiques of this movie, I still had a blast watching. Hell yeah. Yeah. Like I, I was, was so much I was, fun. I was surprised, like in my mind, I had always put this like a major step down from the other ones. And I love not crystal skull, but the other two. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, I love the other two, but I'm excited. Like the, my kids have watched Raiders. This one's probably going to be pushed a little bit and we'll watch last crusade before it just because they're younger. And I think they might be a little scared of it, but I, I think they'll dig this movie. I think this is, you know, a pretty cool movie. Yeah, disclosure. When, when I saw these were free on, I don't know, some premium channel. Paramount plus. Okay. Yeah, whatever, like wherever they were, they were free for me. And I'd already watched all three in a row like a month ago. And then you guys were like, hey, do you want to watch Temple of Doom? I was like, fuck, yeah, I just watched this not too long ago. And once again, even having recently watched it, I was excited to watch it again. They are they are awesome. And I will plug this again because I think the price will significantly drop on them. The 4K transfers are fabulous. If you have like a, a 4K player and, and you want to watch them, they did a great job of, of doing those. All right. King of the Hill, bottom of the barrel. I don't even I don't think this is really in the discussion for that. Is that fair? I don't think this is. No, but we have to. Than yeah. Ali- so Aliens has overtaken finally. Judas and the Black Messiah. Judas and the Black Messiah. This is not better than Aliens. No, 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 no. Still fabulous. And it's certainly not going to be worse than Caddyshack 2. When Hell's no. Caddyshack the rookie. It's not even close. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and the rookie looks like an Oscar winning film compared to when we look at Caddyshack 2. We'll see. Coming, <laughs> we'll see. Coming. All right. Time for five questions. Here you we want go. answers. You want answers. answers. I want the truth. What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? What the fuck is the internet? Watch. Why? Five question time with Tim. Woo. Really excited about this because last time you were on, Keenan had to clog up some of the time that we got to share with you. <laughs> Five questions. So now it's just you. Here we go. Um, elephants are prominently featured in this film. Thumbs up or thumbs down on elephants? Easy answer. Thumbs up. In, in real life, they're being hunted they're cool ass animals uh there's plenty of different variations of elephants in world of warcraft that are really cool looking and yeah just elephants cool have you ever ridden an elephant 
I've never ridden an elephant. Uh, my father, who's an entomologist, uh, he used to be like the head pest control guy down at the uh, Philadelphia Zoo. Ooh, and you never got to. You know, I never got to ride an elephant, ride. but we would go behind like all of the scenes of the, you know, that's, the exhibits. That's pretty and, awesome. And we'd feed a lot of the animals. So I have fed Did an elephant. Did you go in the, in the split cages? <laughs> I did not. I, uh, I I saw the naked mole rats on the other oh, side. Um, I fed a giraffe an apple. You know, Ooh, like we, we did a bunch of stuff. That's it was pretty cool. awesome, actually. Yeah. Jim, have you ever ridden an elephant before? I have not. I think the closest I've been to an elephant is watching the Oliphant on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> when <laughs> Sam's like, I saw an Oliphant. <laughs> I rode an elephant one time. Hell yeah. No, you did not. I did. It was at the opening of a hardware store. Did you dump your cologne on top of it? I don't want. Let, no. Let's just stop there and let every. Let's let everyone just imagine. Imagine what that. What that rest of that story is. For me. It's a. It's a. It's. I, it's we because we're gonna need to bring head. it up with Katie next week because she's gonna want to hear about this. Want to hear about me riding an elephant at the opening of a hardware store? Yes. That was. <laughs> it was fabulous. Uh, question two. Uh, here we go. It sounds like a children's book that is not doing very well. <laughs> Yeah, it did, sales were poor. Yeah, sales were poor. Uh, would you rather jump out of a plane with a raft, hopefully inflating and allowing you to go down the icy side of a mountain into a river rapid situation, or or would you rather chop apart a rope bridge and swing for your life? I'd say the latter. The rope bridge, like rope bridges, in general, don't freak me out. And then chopping it like Indiana Jones does, you know, they, they wrap their leg and arm and stuff in it. I feel like you could survive that. Whereas the, the raft situation is pretty ridiculous. Like you're not living. You, no, I mean, they, they, they at least tried to make it seem in the movie that the raft inflating acted almost like a parachute. parachute. That wouldn't fucking happen. You know, yeah. is that scientifically accurate? What does everyone know about that? No, we're going to pass on that one. Okay. Uh, fill in the blank question. Here we go. Uh, in this film, they ate eels that came out of the belly of a snake. Snake we could talk about. We could talk about how that happened. They ate monkey brains. Tim, the most disgusting thing you have ever eaten in your entire life is fill in the blank. I, ha I hate to cheat. I have two answers. That, well, the, that's fine. The first one, it doesn't. Well, yeah, anyway, I was like three years old. I'm down the shore with my parents. Uh, my dad's move uh, used to be to just like dig a giant hole on the beach and just plop me in it. And I just hang out there yeah. and be pleased as punch. Sounds like good, sounds like good 80s parenting. Right. And like the hole would be uh, deep enough where there was like a little bit of water in the bottom of it. Sure. But you're also at like sand crab level. Oh, so yeah, like yeah. my dad grabbed a sand crab and did one of these jobs where he like pretended to put it in his mouth, but put it past his cheek mm. and then like pretended to chew it. Well so played. I <laughs> grabbed a sand crab and threw it in my mouth. I didn't Ooh. chew, but I just had this sand crab in my mouth for a solid like 10 seconds as it's running around on my tongue. Oh my God. That's amazing. Oh, and God. my dad said, I just had this like, queer look on my face like hmm i don't really know how i like this and i eventually just spit it out and that was the end of that uh so i didn't really eat it but i yeah. did put a sand no, crab that, that in counts. my mouth fair that enough absolutely counts very fair. I, I, the, the other thing that comes to mind is 
I had pate once in my life Ew. and Not that shit's you. fucking gnarly. Like it's just disgusting. I wouldn't eat it. Yeah. yeah. I watched well, Katie eat a taco possibly. made out of crickets. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Some people like crickets. At Oyomel in, uh, in DC. It's like a, a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. No, thank you. Uh, uh, question for our favorite question. Tim, what's your favorite sequel? I think there's a lot of obvious answers like Empire. I'm not going to say that, though. I, I think the true actual answer is Terminator 2. Aliens is good. Uh, you could throw in uh, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Um, Star Trek 2, Wrath of Khan. Oh, that's a good one. I forgot about that. Yeah. Very good one. But dude, T2, it, it's probably in my top five movies of all time. <laughs> like, it's so good. We haven't done that. I'm, I'm actually surprised we've never done that. It's yeah, a, we haven't done the original either. I know. And, uh, yeah. And, and not, not to throw shade at Terminator 1. Terminator 1 is very good, but the sequel T2 so is so good. T2, I think it, it's rare you find a far superior film. It's to the original just, it, is. It, 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 it makes me want to watch it. But at the same time, like Edward Furlong <laughs> immediately dates that movie. I like know, he, I, I, he's such you, a 90s shithead. I know, but I think you can get past it because the rest of it is so good. Yeah. I, honestly, oh, not him. I should say the character because what? Well, yes. Yeah. You know. One of the things that bothers me about a lot of James Cameron's films like Aliens is, you know, they're I feel underappreciated at times because they have not. He has dragged his feet on updating them for better versions like the clarity of imagery and stuff because he's spending all this time on the goddamn avatar series which <laughs> is can't a wait for that, that yeah. no one discussion. wants no it's a whole other discussion finally our deep thoughts question tim this film even though it's in sequel september is theoretically not even theoretically is actually a prequel here's my question for you in general are prequels good ideas I would say yes. The Ooh, interesting the okay evidence of what we have would lead you to believe the answer is no. Because, like, first and foremost, you have the Star Wars prequels; they're not good. But the idea, the story, and the lore behind those movies is fucking incredible. Like, I, I, I was so pumped in '99 to see yeah. the story of where Anakin Skywalker came from. That story. It deserves a movie. It absolutely does. So based on that, like, yes, prequels are a good idea. Yeah, they could be. They weren't, but they could have been. <laughs> um, that's five questions. Does anybody have recommendations? Anything you're listening to? Oh, I do. Enjoy? I have a video game recommendation. It's called oh, Death Loop. Go. It just came out this week for PS5 and PC, I think. It is one of the coolest games I've ever played as far as, like, the game mechanics and and how it all works but it's basically like this island where there's like an anomaly like the lost island and um everyone there is stuck in a time loop so like if you die you just wake up the next day and it's still it's the morning before uh so it's, it's like groundhog it's day. like groundhog day but you remember everything and you just and everyone else remembers everything too so it's, so the it's just day after tomorrow right Amazing and your character wakes film. up and he he's for some reason trying to like break the loop um and you don't know how to do that but you the idea is that you have to kill seven people that are important for the loop to continue um 
and there's like five different places you can go and it happens throughout like morning noon afternoon and evening and so like different things are happening in different areas at different times and so like you can go one place one day and next place the next day and set things up and it's really cool i wrote it down death loop yep love it uh tim what are you watching, listening to? I, I have a non-recommendation and then I have a recommendation. Ooh, we've Ooh, never yeah. had. This is like an all-time first. We've never had Sand a crabs, don't I'm, eat them. I am, I am so <laughs> excited about this. Crabs, don't get them. Right. Make, a, make a better choice. Need a shampoo. Make, make, make a better choice who you're with. Uh, for another podcast date, I have a story about crabs. Uh, okay, with, oh, with love it. With, with you my... should you should probably come on the shit show, our shit's creek podcast, because there's all sorts of stuff going on that podcast that doesn't have anything to do with shit's creek or normal life. It would but fit right in. Basically, my father being an entomologist, he was once sent crabs in the mail. <laughs> Great. Anyway, uh, my on my another non note. my non recommendation is, and it was based on the fact, like I listen to a lot of podcasts, and a lot of them watched White Lotus, so I watched White Lotus, and don't recommend it. Ooh, I, no. I liked White Lotus. Really, I did. I was into it. I, I was. It's not my favorite all time show by any stretch, but I enjoyed it. I just mm. I can get why people wouldn't like it, though. There, I, there's I, no I, there's nobody you're rooting for. They all no, turn out to be I'm fucking a, shitheads. Yeah, I'm OK with that because I think that's life. Yeah. And like and that, so this maybe is another podcast for another time, but I need to be told, like, what am I missing in that show? Like, why? Why am I not invested in it? Is it just because everyone's a shithead and you're supposed to just be like, yep, that's life? Well, I think so. I think it's a dark comedy. And I, I don't know if that's done quite well enough. This it's it's not on the my top list of favorite shows of all time, but I do. I, I kind of it, it. I'm putting it in the bucket with Tiger King for me, where it was like everyone was talking about it. And then I Agreed. watched that's it. It was fair. like. This isn't really that good. Well, but. I think that's you know what that White Lotus is to me. It's what HBO shows have become. Every mm. every HBO show that's released, you're told you have to watch. And I think it's fair if you choose not to watch this one, you're OK. And I have an issue with HBO shows like every. Oh, it's HBO. Show. You, have to mm -hmm. watch it. Mm, well, you don't have to. But I wouldn't no, say that they're all talk. dark to the point of like being. No, but I'm just saying it's gotten to this point where like yeah. HBO releases something you yeah, you're yeah. like, you're told you have to watch it. I enjoyed it, but I absolutely can see Tim point Tim's point of view. Like mm -hmm. you shouldn't watch it. Um, first of all, I, I have. Um, wait, 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 what wait. was your recommendation? Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. What's your recommendation? My, my actual recommendation yes. is the documentary called pray away. And it's all about the, uh, the fucking conversion, conversion therapy. I can't. Yeah. Oh, God. oh, Jesus. Is it, it like, can you watch it though? Like, cause that would anger me to the point that I don't know if I could watch it. It is angering, but they have people that were involved in it and they all basically admit how bullshit it is. Okay. Okay. So maybe yeah, I may watch it then. Yeah. And like, like, you know, you know, the, from, from people involved in the church to people that, like truly thought they were converted. It's like across the board, people that were involved in many different ways interviewed and they just put it to rest that this is a fucking sham. Yeah. <laughs> They're kind of like the people that are standing on the other side of the cult ceremony in this yeah. movie. <laughs> this is who they are. Uh, first of all, I, I, you, Kyle Mills enemy at the gates has been released. Yeah. Um, we love Kyle Mills, Vince Flynn, 
Mitrap on this show. And I, a huge thank. I thanks. I was able to interview Kyle Mills as part of his book release event. Very last minute fill in. I was called in from the bullpen, like Kyle Mills, a left-handed reliever for the. I always say his name sounds like he's a he's a middle reliever for like. You know what? And I I'm I'm so (laughs) angry. Like Jim does that joke, and I'm so angry that I. So I hosted this. It was his book launch event. I'm so angry I didn't use that joke because I think it was like it would have been the perfect joke because I was literally called an hour before the event and asked, you know, can you do this interview and. Is there ever a better time to use that joke? But the book's amazing. Uh, We shared the link on our Facebook page. So if you want to go watch the interview, you can watch it if you're there. Um, My TV recommendation is from HGTV. My wife and I have been watching Help, I Wrecked My House. If you want to see a bunch of fucking idiots, watch that show. Last night, we watched an episode where a guy decided he was going to pour the slab of his addition by himself proceed to try to do the plumbing and electrical and his qualifications were he watched videos on YouTube YouTube during the pandemic. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I'm pretty close to doing something like that. Probably. Are you? No, not really. Okay. Thank you. Uh, And my criterion choice as always Yeah, this week, because I'm teaching Jamestown to my students, the amazing Terrence Malick film, Christian Bale, Colin Farrell, Terrence Malick's The New World. You have to be a Terrence Malick fan, which I am. Unbelievable. I think I've only seen A Thin Red Line and it's been. And it, yes. 20 years. Like, listen, and I will freely admit, Terrence Malick, you have to like what he does or you're not going to be engaged with what he does at all. But I think he's brilliant. What one more recommendation I just remembered and specifically for Brian, just because it's a basketball one. uh, Netflix has a a documentary series called untold untold going on. And and the first episode of it, it came out in like August uh, is malice at the palace. And it's all about the, like Mm. the brawl. Somebody told me about that. I have to, I do have to watch that. That's and cool. like, it's fabulous. We re, we re, it was like back in 2004. And like, I, I remember it being, being like, man, how do you go out into the stands and beat people up? But they're like, this really breaks it down yeah. to show like, uh, do you know what it is? If you look at it from a modern context, you're like, you're damn right. You would go and fight in the yep. stands when you see it, Tim, what's up with pop adult. I have in my queue right now. I'm listening it tomorrow. Shang-Chi. I cannot wait I can't, to listen to I the haven't episode. seen this movie yet. Can't wait to listen to the episode. I'm 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 excited to hear what so pro or cons people thought of it. What else is coming up with you guys though? Uh that's up in the air, actually. Uh Keenan is getting married uh second week of October. So <clears throat> Shang Shang-Chi was his last episode. And he's gonna go on a little hiatus uh because he has shit to do. Uh, so I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing um, to so keep we'll the show on, going. So we'll see you on Monday night. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If you guys want to come on and we'll, we'll see you on talk Monday about night. White Lotus <laughs> or whatever else you want to talk about. <laughs> um, I am also hugely excited because for the first time ever that I remember, because I used to drink a lot of Pale Reason shows, Tim and I are going to be able to have a beer together soon. Hells yeah. Oh, this it's is going to be happened. fun. Never happened. Keenan's wedding, I think, is the first time because we like I'm sure you were at events that we were together, but we didn't really know each other. So no. I am super. The pandemic has delayed this significantly. I'm super mm-hmm. excited about this. 
we're super excited to have you guys on again. Well, we're super excited to have you on again. <laughs> Keenan can come along. Yeah. If he wants. And Katie's super excited to have you on. <laughs> Next time she can be there. Um, make sure you listen to Pop Addle. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. And make sure you watch Temple of Doom. Yeah. And yeah. we'll see you uh, next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye.